Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global Program. I am so excited to welcome everyone to this week's program, where we have the pleasure of speaking with Alicia Minkus about reimagining leadership, how female founders can close the revenue gap. You know, if you're confident that you have a really healthy pipeline, that sales and marketing are well-synchronized, your team is executing with precision, and you're hitting or maybe even exceeding your revenue goals, well, then you are likely off to a very strong start to the last quarter of the year. However, if the actual results that you're experiencing are not tracking to expectations and the potential for a revenue gap between your current state of growth versus your future expectations is already becoming apparent, well, then it's likely to put you in a hole, not only in the last quarter of 2022, but in the first quarter of 2023. So the next big question is, how do you determine and actually agree upon which revenue lever should be pulled in order to close the revenue gap? What changes to existing strategies what revenue drivers, what investments and resource deployments will actually accelerate top-line revenue enough to close the impending revenue gap? Where are the leverage points that will move the dial? And how do you validate some of these critical assumptions? Well, today we have the good fortune to speak with Alicia Minkus to discover an end-to-end -end revenue system that will help you close the revenue gap you'll be able to learn how to identify the highest value that you bring to your market, how to raise your profile among your ideal clients, and how to package up your products and services in order to increase the perceived value and therefore the conversion rate actually in your marketplace. I got to tell you, we are in for a treat because Alicia Minkus is an award-winning entrepreneur that has started and run nine of her own seven and eight figure companies over the last 20 years, generating a total of $500 million in revenue. During the past 10 years, she's traveled the world, speaking on stages and organizing thousands of events for her own global business training company, Industry Rockstar. During the last few years, she's partnered with or shared the stage with icons like Sir Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Lisa Nichols, Randy Zuckerberg, Kevin Harrington, and more. As a speaker, she's often invited to present at private and corporate events on the topic of leadership, revenue expansion, and business scaling strategies. Her leadership and scaling systems have impacted over 3 million business owners online and offline, and she has personally mentored thousands of entrepreneurs privately, setting them up with seven and eight-figure strategies. Alicia's passion is to 
advise female founders on leadership and revenue optimization to support her mission to close the revenue gap in female entrepreneurship globally. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you for having me, for inviting me, and thank you for this amazing introduction. Absolutely. I am thrilled to have you with us. Now, to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? What's actually led you to have such passion around closing the revenue gap in female entrepreneurship globally? Thank you, Linda. That's, I mean, that's a great question. And uh, it's really something that's actually very, very close to my heart. Um, you have talked about the amazing things that I have done in my entrepreneurial journey, but I actually come from a family uh, where there are a lot of women, very, very talented women that unfortunately have never learned how to take their talents, take their gifts, take um, you know their knowledge and wisdom and turn it into sustainable businesses. Um, and I actually go way back because one of the most influential people in my life has been my grandmother. And my grandmother is exactly one of these women. She was amazing. She was talented. Um, she has a gift uh, for connecting with people. And yet she lived a life um, that wasn't really living up to um, you know, her dreams and her aspirations. She never understood how to take care, um, take care of herself financially and her own kids. And therefore, she ended up um, you know, accepting some compromises that she should not have had to accept. You know, one of them was actually being in a, in a very, very abusive relationship personally. And so I grew up with these stories and I grew up, uh, you know, with my mom telling me about her experience as a child uh, living in such a family situation, um, you know, seeing my grandmother um, and, you know, how she felt about her own decisions and her own ability, again, to take care of herself and to really you know, take care of her kids. Uh, so she never left because of that. And so I became very passionate very early on about, you know, about sales initially, really. Uh, you know, as a little girl, I started to, you know, want to create packages and sell them like little stuff. And I was really very passionate about that. And when I started my own businesses, I've always had a very strong connection to revenue, to numbers. And as I, you know, kept evolving in my own entrepreneurial journey, I discovered even, um, you know, as you said, I've organized over 2,000 live events in the last 10 years. And I have spoken in 32 different countries to thousands and thousands and thousands of business owners. Very often, about 70% of the audiences that I've spoken to were women entrepreneurs. So I've had a lot of conversations and I have insights around what's going on, not even just here in the United States, in Europe, in Asia, in South America, in Canada, everywhere. And I found that so often women are, again, are talented, are driven, are passionate, 
And yet they don't understand how to turn this into a business that is sustaining their lifestyle. And so either they accept compromises in their business life, in their careers, like some of them may end up abandoning their dreams of being business owners and having to take on jobs that don't feed their soul. Or even worse, in my you know, opinion, they accept compromises in their personal life, just like my grandmother did. And, um, you know, I'm very passionate about stopping that. I feel like this is something that we need to stop. We need to change. And I have two kids, a girl and a boy. And as I have been looking at them and seeing them, you know, play together and growing up, there was a moment that I can remember where I found myself thinking that I wished my daughter would have an amazing community of um, you know, successful businesswomen, peers of her that she could um, you know, network with and grow with and be supported by, just like I'm sure my son will have in businessmen. And as I thought that, I thought I shouldn't just wish for that to happen. I should be that change. I should facilitate that change. And that's actually how Deals in Heels came about, which is a platform to really help women with proven systems and strategies to take their wisdom, their talents, their gifts, and turn them into businesses that are really vehicles to their dreams. Ah, Alessia, I love that. I love that you took a situation from your childhood that was really heartbreaking and you have dedicated yourself to really eliminating the possibility of other women having to deal with that same situation. And you know, over 87% of millionaires started with absolutely nothing and became wealthy in one generation. So when you see a woman who has a really brilliant idea, for a business. She's starting out. She's beginning to create that roadmap, um, taking her from just ideation to the realization of a multi-million dollar business. What are the first pieces of advice and guidance? What's the first bit of wisdom that you share with her? Because again, 87% of millionaires started with nothing and became wealthy in one generation. Um, so that's a great question, Linda. Thank you for asking that. And yes, I mean, first of all, I feel like it's important for people to, uh, first of all, kind of take in the reality that it is possible. <laughs> like it is possible to start with your idea and actually create an empire, a multi-million empire um, and in, 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 in just a few years, really. And then, you know, without even talking about, you know, unicorns, billion dollars evaluation and all that, that's like, you know, but even for every woman out there, everyone that has a vision, everyone that has a dream, they should know that it's definitely possible to take that and within a few years have a very sustainable multi-million dollar business. Now you ask, you know, what is the first step? And in my experience, it's really always about purpose. Like when we look at business owners, um, entrepreneurship, and really building that out, it all starts with our own purpose and with defining a very specific vision that we have both for ourselves and for the company. 
I mean, we always say that a company can only grow so as much as the business owner is willing to grow. So we like to set up a vision for the company and a vision for the business owner, because as a business owner, you know, and, and when we have an idea, you know, even if you haven't even started, like the fact that we have an idea and we decide to get started, you know, we are taking on that identity, right, as a business owner. So it's important that we start to understand what is the vision that we have for ourselves, the impact that we want to make, the difference. The um, And again, as I said before, we love to build businesses that are vehicle to somebody's dream, that are supporting the lifestyle that the business owner wants. Because we know, Linda, that you know, success can look so many different ways, right? A hundred different business owners can have 100 different visions and dreams about what success would look like for them. And having worked with thousands and thousands of business owners all over the world, I know that, I mean, there are some of my clients that just want to create a business that allows them to stay home. I mean, I actually had a client that physically wanted to create a business where she didn't need to leave so much that she built her own office in her backyard. <laughs> like she wanted to be able to be home with her kids, to be available anytime they needed her. And that was her vision, right? And then I have other clients that want to travel the world, that want to do international partnerships, that want to be on big stages. Like It's all over the place. So it starts really with clarifying what is the vision that you want to create? Uh, because I meet so, many, so often, you know, in my private advisory, normally I work with six, seven and eight figure women that really want to elevate their game. And very often when I start to work with them, one of the problem they have is that they have ended up building something that is not aligned with their vision. Like they got so wrapped up in what success should look like, you know, for some sort of definition that somebody else has set. And they have worked towards it. They have created it. And now they're there sitting saying, but that's not what I want. So how do I turn it around? Right. So that's how it starts. It starts with defining what we want to create so that then we can actually understand what are the resources that we need, what are the strategies that you know, we can use, what are you know, the advisors, the teams that we need to put together in order to make it happen. I love that. So let's pretend that someone is clear on their purpose, they have a very clear and well-defined mission, vision, purpose, that they're stepping into this business uh, with a clear set of values, they are aligning their business around their values. They're clear about not only their purpose, mission, and vision, but perhaps they have a five-year roadmap where they have clear milestones, they have clear objectives, and they have very well thought out timing associated with each of the milestones, each of the objectives, each of the um, areas of acceleration that they're going to be focused on. I have found that oftentimes when women begin growing their business and then they begin scaling their business, they hit a ceiling. They often hit a place uh, where growth begins to wane, perhaps it plateaus, and they really become frustrated by not being able to break through that ceiling, not being able to break through to that next level. So what do you recommend for women who feel stuck? who feel like they can't quite get to that next level of success in the growth 
and in scaling their business? Right. So thank you. Um, that's a, another great question. And um, here's the deal, Linda. You know, at different stages of a business, you need different things. So when you start, that vision is really like, you know, foundational, the, the first step. And then, you know, in order to get to maybe the first $100,000, $500,000 in revenue, there is a whole set of actions. And very often they involve the business owner being actively involved in a lot of parts of the businesses, because when we start and when, you know, any business owner starts very often, we have either no team or a small team, which means, you know, we need to do more. And yet once we hit between 500,000 and a million, in order to get to the next level, in order to break through the seven figure revenue mark, we need to change the way we look at our business. And we need to change the things that we do and the things that we focus on and the things that we put our attention on in our business because you know the typical thing like what got you here won't get you there it's actually right <laughs> so but you know if we start with the numbers we know that only 4.2 percent of women-owned businesses actually make that leap and actually break through the seven-figure mark 4.2% of women-owned businesses in the U.S. are at seven-figure or more, which means it's a very difficult jump. It's a very difficult milestone to achieve for women. And the reason is um, because most of the times, women are actually very passionate about the difference that they are making. And therefore, they get involved very often in businesses in a way that they're very, very um, physically like active in them. But in order to scale, we need to start to think more as CEOs. We need to start to think more as like working, you know, on the business, not in the business. And this requires really a shift in mindset. Um, again, very often I work with that on that with my private clients. Right now, I'm working actually, for example, with a woman that has a seven-figure company out of the Bay Area. And she's exactly at that level. Like she actually reached seven figure because it, her services are so in demand, but she is the bottleneck to the growth of her own company because she's so passionate about what she does. She wants to do it. And so we are working exactly on that, on turning her company, you know, from her doing everything to creating systems, to empowering teams and empowering leaders around her that can help her move the company forward. Because if not, she's not actually even able to take on more clients. Like they're knocking at her door and she's saying, I can't take anything else on because it's me. And she has a team, but she does so much herself. So we are working together exactly on that. Because of course, what happens in that case then is that, you know, she has kids, she has, you know, a husband, she, you know, she has a life that she wants to live. So she's getting burned out. She's getting overwhelmed. And the joy and the passion that she, you know, used to actually experience through her business is getting kind of wrapped from the whole experience. 
So we are working on getting her more time again, on getting her, you know, again, to work on the business and not in the business so that as the business grows and scales, she can feel excited about that and not trapped, right? So it becomes a lot about systems as we start to scale. It becomes about having, um, you know, the proven systems that allow us to kind of multiply our impact while keeping our lifestyle while keeping our sanity because that's of course so important and as I always say there is no reason to reinvent the wheel the systems are there that's what I actually went through myself you know when I started my own entrepreneurial journey I started by taking over my family business and when I took it over actually it was already at 10 million euro per year and I worked and I started to, you know, I was trying to actually grow it. And I wasn't very successful at it for a long time until it kind of hit on me. I said, why am I trying to figure that out myself? Like there are other people that have done it already. I should leverage their experience. And that's when I started to hire advisors, consultants, mentors. And I started to actually just implement their systems in my business. In Within a few years, we grew from 10 million to 30 million euro per year in revenue. And it was so easy because I didn't have to figure it out, which is what I tell my clients. There is no reason to spend all this energy and, you know, trying things. And of course, when you try new things, some things work, some things don't. Just work with somebody that has been there. And they can share with you what they have already tested, what they have already tried, what they have already seen working. And that accelerates the results and make it, the results much easier uh, as well. So that's, that's what I'm passionate about doing with my clients today, because I feel like that makes such a big difference for me. Absolutely. And of course, in Leadership Global, we're all about creating community for women, entrepreneurs, business owners, business founders, business executives, so they can learn from each other in a private, confidential, and supportive community. They can learn from each other. They can be really transparent about what worked but didn't so that others don't make the same missteps. They don't make the same mistakes that their predecessors have, and they can learn from each other. They can lift each other up. They can you know, begin joint ventures and partnerships and all kinds of ways to co-elevate and align uh, like businesses. And I feel like, you know, I personally have seen the results of that. So that's such wise counsel. Thank you so much, Alessia. Now, I know that, as you said, when you're growing your business, oftentimes that feels like this has got to be the hardest aspect of being an entrepreneur because you are involved in every single aspect of your business and it is overwhelming. You have to be a financial uh, forecaster. You have to be a salesperson. You have to be a marketer. You have to think about positioning and you have to think about product development and service level and customer service and all kinds of things. But I would argue that while that can be really daunting, the real challenge happens when you scale. Because when you scale, you then have to begin to very purposefully invest in both people technology, systems, platforms that allow you to replicate that success automatically and seamlessly over time. But taking that step to actually make those investments can be really scary for an entrepreneur that's, one, used to doing it all themselves, and two, may feel like, gosh, you know, I just now have this nest egg, 
And I'm really nervous about bringing down my uh, my nest egg to invest in these systems that I don't know if they're going to work. I don't know if I hire this person, if it's the right person, or if it's even the right position. So when you think about investing in people and investing in systems, do you have some advice and guidance, Celestia, that you would offer to entrepreneurs to make some of those first investments? Yes. Thank you for asking that. Um, I agree with you. I mean, it can actually be a very scary moment. And we know that because, you know, we mentor so many business owners as they scale. We actually just finished write a book about scaling businesses that will be released later this year. So it's been a conversation that we have been in for a long time. And we have seen a lot of people going through that specific transition. And it is scary, even because it involves letting go of some parts of the business. Like at the beginning, everything is, you know, you're related to every part of the business. You are connected. You are responsible of every part of the business. You have that direct overview. And on some levels, that creates some sort of safety patterns, right? Because you feel like you can see it, you are in control, you're, you know, you know what's happening and therefore you can make sure things go in a certain way. Now, once you scale, it starts to become about you being less involved. You know, you, you need to start from being a doer, you need to transition into being a leader. And that's a big, big, big transition. It's a big identity shift which is something that it's difficult to do. And again, it's scary. And that's why many business owners, we see them trying, right? They say, well, I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to delegate. But then they either don't completely let go. And so, you know, they bring in somebody that then doesn't tell, like, they feel like they can't totally express themselves. And so it's hard to retain that talent. Or they kind of like completely let go. They say, okay, now it's yours. And they kind of disappear. And then they come back saying, well, see, it didn't work out. Uh, really, you know, delegating is not something I can do. It Like in my business, that doesn't work. So again, it's all about the systems that we were talking about earlier on. That's why it's so important to establish them early on. When we mentor business owners from even very early stages, we mentor them on mapping out these systems right away because they transition to hiring people, to creating teams, even to finding the right technology are so much easier when you have clarity about the systems and therefore you have clarity about who do you need to bring in or what technology would be the best fit for what you're looking to do. And then it becomes really about having specific um, delineated pathways to create leaders inside of your company. So it's not so much about, you know, hiring somebody and kind of throwing the ball at them and say, good luck. Or it's not so much about micromanaging either. It's about really helping leaders emerge inside of your team so that they can then start to kind of move forward parts of the companies in alignment with your vision, in alignment with your values, but with, without needing and requiring your attention, your time. And that's definitely challenging. It's definitely something that um, needs to be um, you know, thought through. And a lot of business owners need to have support um, in order to understand exactly how to interact 
with emerging leaders and how to empower them and how to set up you know, environments where these emerging leaders can win, can experience as well themselves winning in order to be able to then retain these talents as they develop them. So smart, Alessia. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for your for your guidance, for your insight, for your expertise. I feel like we could continue talking about this and diving into detail for the next two hours because there is so much to growing and scaling a business, to hiring the right talent, making sure they're in the right position, making sure expectations are well-managed and well-communicated, to making sure you're at the right systems and the right processes and the right operations to support your business and to give you the free time to be able to operate your business freely, but without it being quite so overwhelming that you may feel in the early stages of a, of a startup. So I am so grateful for you sharing your expertise, sharing your wisdom, uh, but to be respectful of your time, I am going to ask one last question, which we ask of all of our guests, and that is, please tell us what the best leadership advice is that you've ever received that you'd like to share with our audience? Wow, thank you. I love this question specifically. And I remember again, when I started, um, and you know, again, when I started, I actually started in a business that was already making 10 million, already had about 50 people, you know, to manage people, you know, staff of 50 people. And that was challenging for me because it's just like, you know, I always say about motherhood, you know, nature gives you nine months to get ready for it. And then you have a baby and you kind of grow with it. Well, the same thing with a business normally. But I got kind of thrown into the whole mix of a company that had already been set up, not by myself. Uh, and so it was complex. And I had a lot of challenges myself. Now, one thing that I remember, one of the biggest mistakes that I made uh, really early on was believing that I needed to be in a certain way in order to be a successful leader. Now, in my vision at that time, that certain way was a masculine way. Uh, you know, looking around me, all my role models, all the leaders that I was interacting with, like I would come and be like in a big, you know, meetings, etc. And very often I was the only woman, even more so the only woman, you know, as young as I was. I mean, I was in my 20s at that time. And um, therefore I created an idea that I needed to become some sort of masculine, you know, leader in order to be taken seriously, in order to become successful, in order to be heard. And I started to operate my company from that point of view until at some point, um, you know, I hired my first advisor. And as you, you know, if you were asking me, you know, what is the best leadership, um, you know, tip and advice that I ever got? Well, it was his. And he said, stop it, like stop trying to be somebody else and start actually leading authentically, like with, you know, bringing your whole self to your business, to your team, to your partners, to your suppliers. And that was a big shift for me because for a long time, I thought, especially my feminine part, had to, you know, kind of stay outside of the office. I remember I used to imagine that when I would walk through the door of my office, like my feminine part would kind of stay behind 
And I would go in and kind of lead from that masculine energy. And then I would meet back <laughs> with my feminine energy at the end of the day. And he said, stop it, like invite your whole self um, to the table and show yourself authentically to your team and to everybody that you interact with. And that has been like life-changing for me. I mean, first of all, in allowing me to enjoy my time as a business leader, and as well in um, inviting in really authentic connections, authentic conversations and deep relationships. And so that's, I think, one of the most important things to really understand that we can bring when we acknowledge every part of ourselves is one of the biggest differentiators that we have, both in the marketplace and in with our team and with our partners. Like That's why they want to do business with us, because of who we are. So we should allow them to see who we are fully. I love that. And I will say that your experience, I feel like, Uh, is so common. I bet you that most of the listeners, most of our audience can really relate to what you just said, that, you know, women were often brought up in business to, and they were guided and instructed and coached and modeled to be like their male counterparts. And so what that meant is you had to be really assertive and you had to be really aggressive and you had to really kind of almost steal yourself for a business environment. You had to get ready to do battle every day. And in fact, what we're finding is that feminine leadership traits are actually much more effective. Being able to be empathetic, being able to be humble, being a great communicator. Those are actually leadership traits that we're finding out now are actually a lot more effective. So I love that that's how you are wrapping up today's conversation is to say, yes, you can absolutely be a multimillionaire business owner as a woman. You can grow and scale your business and you can do an authentic, genuine way, recognizing your femininity, recognizing your authentic leadership and really embracing that. So thank you, Alessia. That was absolutely brilliant. And for everyone here listening in, this is Alessia Minkus. She is absolutely one of the most powerhouse leaders I have ever met. I am so honored to have her as a part of the Lead Hership Global program today. And as a reminder, she is beginning a huge worldwide movement called Deals and Heals. So if you've not heard of this, check it out. I can't recommend this more strongly. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.